All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Eno Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here. As the Bengals have wrapped their offseason program, they're calling it early. You know what? One day in, everybody go home. Jay and I don't do that. No, we're not calling this early. No. Full show. Full show. We're not going to cut it off early or anything. We're here for the duration, putting in the work. We're not soft. <laughs> These new school soft players and coaches. No, I'm just kidding. What's up, Jay? You're, you're not kidding. I mean, some some people it's in the there. Twitterverse are uh, a little up in arms about the the calling things early. But, you know, you wrote about it. It's it 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 is a fair trade for for what Zach wants to get done. And, yeah, I'm back to your original question. What's up? I'm doing great. Uh, this is this is our kind of slow time of the year, even though we're not cutting things off early. We're still going to be here for you guys. But it is nice to kind of kick your feet up a little bit and relax before the grind of training camp starts. Yeah, we've got we're we're hitting this kind of dead period. You know, it's like uh, you know, across the league, pretty much everybody now that every teams are kicking off. I mean, this is there's just no off season in the NFL. I mean, you guys know how busy the podcast and the content cranks from January till the end of the draft and even really through now we've been sort of regular and have lots of stuff going on there's really only one off season that remains <laughs> and it is now pretty much from the day camp ends which was yesterday Tuesday until everybody reports back which will be coaches will get in about a week before players report on July 27th coaches pretty much totally disappear they will be they're gone they they get their vacations in recharge all that stuff and everybody will kind of come back ready to go there's just not much that happens a signing here or there you have like a franchise tag deadline some teams deal with uh, but for the most part um if everything goes well uh, not much happens so yeah J- jay and i will be kind of doing some vacation type stuff over the next few weeks but we've got a, a slew of specialty shows we're still going to be coming to you every week with some different things some different people we talk to some different topics kind just kind of doing some fun stuff that we always uh I wish we had more time for when things are busy. So keep an eye out for that coming your way. But we got a lot to get to to kind of wrap up what went down this week. As we mentioned, the um, the mini camp cut short. We're going to talk about that, why that happened, and some of the background uh, behind it and what it means going forward. We're going to wrap up Joe Burrow's progress after seeing his last day out there and talking to him on Tuesday, where he's at, what things look like with him. Um, Akeem Adeniji tore his pec and is out for the you expected to be out for the year. Um, and so you have now a little bit more exposed at that already concerning backup tackle spot. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on there, the options on the table. Uh, I wrote about Michael Jordan last week. We It's been out for a while, but we didn't really have a chance to talk about it here on the pod. Uh, what he had to say, I thought he was fascinating on a number of different levels and and a really interesting story. One that we talked about that we were curious about going into it. And I thought his reaction to just talking with me kind of showed me something really interesting that I was really not expecting. I'll give you the background on that. Um, Addition to the scouting staff to talk about uh, Jesse Bates talking about possible extensions. Jay did homework that he did to give himself. Uh, (laughs) So we'll have that. Um, and uh, much, much more. Again, keep everything look 
check check keep checking the site. We're gonna have some other content, some winners and losers of OTAs and stuff uh, that we are gonna put up on the site to, to run through too. If you're not subscribed, please do. Uh, great great Father's Day gift if you're looking for one. Uh, you can you can get a deal on there. Just go to any go to theathletic.com. Go to any of our stories. Follow us on Twitter and uh, subscribe there. And uh, uh, if you're lo- thinking, God, I just can't think of anything to get my dad. It's it's an easy gift to give, uh, and you know, they will not regret it. And if you tell us you gave the gift of Father's Day, if you email me, I will personally shout out your dad on the next podcast. <laughs> How about that? Uh, see, we're we're just, admit, I'm just they, making stuff off the top of my head. I'll do it. You email it to me. Let's do it. PD, you got to email the receipt though. I need. I need the. That's right. We do require receipts here. Yes, that's right. Unlike unlike some. Otherwise, uh, the entire right. podcast will just be shouting out guys' dads. Hey, that's what we got to do. It's like the end, <laughs> like the end of uh, you know, end of some some fundraiser program. We'd yeah. like to thank our contributing sponsors, and they just run down the list and like the micro machines guy in like ten point two seconds. Uh, <laughs> uh, pardon my pop culture reference there with the micro machines guy. That's aging myself a bit. Yeah, it went over my head. I don't know. I don't know who that is. The mi- you don't know the micro machines guy. No, uh, I guess you maybe missed that. He would. He was like the fastest talker ever, oh. and they had him do the commercials for Micro Machines, these little mini trucks or whatever for kids. Google Micro Machines guy. I will. That'll be and, my homework. I'm not giving myself any stats homework. My, <laughs> no, my homework too close to vacation be- to give you yes. any more any more uh, <laughs> homework. Um, all right, let, let's talk about the decision to end it early, Jay. I mean. I'll let, I wrote it, so I'll let you offer your opinion before I go any further. I mean, you. I obviously there are there are some people that are that think it's silly to do this and give up any practice sessions is is dumb. But what was what was your what was your gut reaction to it when you first heard it? I'll say that. Um, I was a little surprised, but but not totally, and, and not knowing that the the initially when we heard the news, not knowing that it was kind of this broker deal with getting guys vaccinated to to get to where they need to be to have in-person meetings and full weight rooms and all that. But really, I mean, if you think about it, it they cut it one day short instead of two. Thursday was just going to be this really simple, basic walkthrough. There wasn't going to be a lot of meetings. It was just going to be one quick field session and then let the guys fly out of town. So really all you're talking about is one practice today. So is, is that that big of a deal? And no, it, it, it's not, especially when you look at what they, they get in return. And and that is, it, it is so important for them to, to get back and, and get in the meeting rooms. Just, you know, just like this off season was important to have practices on the field instead of, instead of zooms. Um, it's a young team. It's, it's, Despite being a young team, you have a lot of guys that came in through free agency. So you've got the rookies who haven't been here. You've got the the new pieces that they got in free agency last year and this year. It's just these guys need to get to know each other. And getting the ability to get these guys in the locker room for this offseason, get them in meeting rooms when when training camp starts in the regular season, it's, it's, it's way more important than one practice in June when most of these guys' minds are going to be on where they're going for a vacation anyhow. I ha- I found an old Jay Morrison Dayton Daily News story. Okay. 
<laughs> I was trying to go back through all the times that Marvin Lewis did something silly at the end of the offseason program. And there it popped yeah. up, Jay Morris and Dayton Daily News. And it, when you, thank you for writing the perfect lead for what I needed, which was running through all the things he'd done right off the top. First, Your lead was basically, first it was sand volleyball, then it was bowling, and this year they're doing some form of, like, you know, uh, events, a field Olympics. day on the field. Yeah. It was like basketball and soccer and catching the balls. And it's like, this is a tradition amongst coaches trying to make their players like them as as old as time. Now, it may is it letting people go early or is it doing something besides play football? Like the off season is about buy-in, it's about momentum, it's about chemistry and a foundation of new systems that you want to install, but when you feel like you've got that when you feel like guys are just out there like doing the same crap again, we've got it. We understand the foundations of what we're doing. They're not out there because of kind of what they have brokered and what the league has become. They're not these are not training camp sessions. <laughs> these are not things where guys are even going one on one against each other. I mean, we saw the slightest bit of seven on seven and this the tiniest bit of eleven on eleven at the end of this last practice that was not even real speed. No. That this those days are are have been gone and are very much gone now after what happened last year and what the pay, PA is pushing for. So I, I think the one thing that people that that say you can't give up these practice sessions are maybe not understanding because you're not we you know we see it every year we've seen the evolution. I mean these things <laughs> these things are walkthroughs, man. These these there's just not a lot going on. You, you're they're throwing the ball. There's zip on the ball that we can talk about over and over again about Joe Burrow and and it's good for him to throw with his receivers. Like that stuff is great and has been fantastic. But when you've seen all you need to see out of that, you've run through the same core principles over and over again. You've been in the same building for a month. It's about building this equity with your players. It's about everybody being in it together and kind of moving the same way and feeling that positive momentum. Well, this team had everybody in the building for a month Mm -hmm. when no one across the league, almost no one has had that. In fact, some have had half their team showing up, major distractions, holdouts. This team has had buy-in from everybody. There's nothing wrong with rewarding that. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with rewarding that with, hey, get out of here, go enjoy yourself, right? Yeah. And then you throw in the vaccination element and what that gives them in terms of in-person meetings, and they need to hit the 85% threshold to, to open up everything like normal again. No, no more Zoom meetings. No more... They can only have a max number in the weight room, so they have to do four separate weight room sessions for their guys over the course of a day. When you're trying to schedule practices and meetings and you have to split up workout time four ways, it becomes a nightmare and inconvenient for players and and a headache for coaches, and everything about it sucks. And then Jesse Bates had a great quote about Zoom meetings. All of America nods along saying, screw Zooms. No one wants this anymore. But a a 
specific example of what you gain by having in-person versus Zooms. He says, when you're on Zoom, it's very easy to kind of listen to coach, not have notes down and stuff like that. So that's why it's important we get our guys vaccinated because once we get back for training camp, we'll also have in-person meetings. We'll be able to communicate and look at each other's notes and be like, hey, hey, put this down. Just stuff that we talked about dang near by weekend last year. From his perspective, a guy who's trying to connect with these all new players around him, being able to just look at guys and talk about things that have happened in the past and do that sort of in the moment and walking out of a meeting and whatever is a, is a big deal for everybody understanding everything and them feeling like they're starting in the right path and, and building momentum that way. And that's a big deal. And then I'm sorry, I'm totally going on forever about this, but like the half the rest of the league won't be there. I mean, we, Half the league is not even above 50% yet by reports that we had. Tom Pelissero had a lot of that stuff out yesterday. So how many teams will ha- will hit this threshold? I don't know. But the ones that do will have a competitive advantage over the ones that don't. And if you ask 32 coaches, would you trade two minicamp practices for the ability to be totally in person for camp in the season? 32 out of 32 would take it and not think about it for a second. And that's a trade they made, essentially, in a lot of ways, because it did motivate players to get it done, you know? And that's a that's a big deal. It's it's a big deal. Yeah, they, they were barely over fifty percent last week. And then you've got this this trade off where now a bunch of guys are gonna get vaccinated today before they leave town. And they're they're going to be very close. You, you, then you only have a, another a handful of guys to convince to get to that 85. They should be able to do it. But the uh, important thing to remember is people might be thinking, well, yeah, there's what the season's in September. Training camp's five, six weeks off. There's plenty of time. There's not. You you as a, as anyone that's been vaccinated know you get the first shot. And then it's either three or four weeks till you get the second shot. And then it's another two weeks before you're considered fully vaccinated. So – if they want to start training camp with in-person meetings, it's it's got to happen now. And and getting so many guys to agree to do it today, that that puts them that much closer to it. And, and going back to what you said, like a couple things about the the Marvin Lewis thing. Hit those all those events, those kind of gifts days off that he gave the players. That was always the last day of OTAs. And then so it was like kind of a long weekend before mini camp. This is even. This is even nicer for those guys where you, you they start their entire summer vacation a little bit early instead of just getting that long weekend before minicamp. Um, I wonder, I, I should have done this. I wonder where everybody went last night because you know all these guys have flights on Thursday and they're probably not going to pay the the flight change fee to to fly you out don't of town. Think these guys are paying the flight change fee, Jay. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and if the ones that are waiting around to get vaccinated today, yeah, that, that they can't anyhow. Um, and then you've got a, de- a decent number of guys that can drive to their homes that kind of live in the area, and some that are going to stay here in the Cincinnati area anyhow. I, I bet there was a pretty big. Maybe not team wide, but I bet there was a pretty big get together somewhere last night, whether it was out at a bar or at somebody's place. But the 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 funniest thing about the the Marvin Lewis uh, rewards for that last day of OTAs, I always remember the bowling one. 
they actually went to a place called Super Bowl. And that mm. was that was the joke that that was the that was the only time that Marvin Lewis got the Bengals <laughs> to a Super Bowl. <laughs> But they took it serious. They uh, those guys. I remember like guys that were on that winning team displayed their little victory green yeah. bowling pins in their locker. They did it for parking spots. And they did it for parking spots um, every year. Whatever that whatever that event was, it was it wasn't just a fun day. It was a competition, and that's that those guys got parking spots up through training camp, and then when the regular season started, it went back to seniority the 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 longest tenured players got the best spots uh closest to the door yeah um yeah no i mean and, and that's again it's 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 about creating you know enjoyment and and that was more you know team building chemistry building stuff you know uh mm-hmm. but you know it's it's when you've got buy in and and that's really the most important part. And you can add more and make your team better in the long run. I think it's an easy trade to me. I don't have a huge. I just don't have a huge problem with it. Again, I just think so much of it is going back to. There's just I, people are overestimating what's getting done out there in right. shorts. You know, once you've done the same things over and over and over and over again, um, you're just it's just so repetitive. And and look, it is there. It is a, a new today's it's what today's athlete responds to you know today's athlete responds to this stuff a, a lot more i mean you're not you're just not going to grind today's athlete to the way that you you grinded guys even 10 years ago and people might have a problem with that and and that's fine but it's about trying to make today's athlete as good as you can be and making today's team as good as you can be and it's just it's a different it's a different world for these guys and I think it's a it's a a minor decision in the big picture that we you know because it's this time of year nothing else is going on we probably spent more we spend more time talking about and dissecting and being mad about and people want to yell about a coach that's not one enough understandably thinking that they're screwing it up uh, but you know I think in the end it, 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 the payoff will be worth it. You know what the final thing that happened in Bengals. Off-season 2021 was. Do you remember this from yesterday? No. Austin Seibert missed 53-yard field goal. Yeah, he did. That's how it ended. That's how it ended. You know what they should have done is they should have had those guys kick for the right to not come to work the next day for everybody. <laughs> you Look – Mc, Evan McPherson has never made a game winner, right? Isn't that yeah. that's the thing? Never right. actually made a walk off game winner. Yeah, it's always like, well, how do you construct pressure? Line McPherson up from forty eight. If it's good, everyone's gone for the next two days. If it's no good, they got to come back on Wednesday. That is how you construct pressure and learn about your new kicker with everyone standing around watching. That's also how you destroy him if he misses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? A risk, a risk that maybe you have to take. You know, <laughs> maybe you maybe you make it from forty-one. Yeah. All right, like just a, a a fairly makeable kick to give him to give him the feel for it. I'm just saying, maybe missed opportunity there. Maybe that's where you should have got. I'll tell you what, they wouldn't be trotting Cybert out there. No. <laughs> and they, that, it's Cybert was three of four. Uh, Evan McPherson was four of four. They they did more than just that one kick. But yeah, they they got progressively longer. And McPherson's 
53 barely went through and Seibert's missed. And then Zach called it up. And um, I, I guess he, he he talked to the team on the field. I guess it was afterward when they went inside that he told them because there was no there was no reaction from the players where, you know, a big cheer where they were told that. that or that maybe before practice. Or, yeah, that's true. He could have yeah. told them before. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's let's go on to um, talk about Joe Burrow, who you, you wrote sort of about, you know, his last day that we watched and what we've sort of seen over the progress of the offseason. I mean, look, it's funny how much we sort of now, after a month, took for granted what we were seeing from Joe Burrow, even just, mm-hmm. on, even just on Tuesday. I mean, you know, he's rolling out. He's throwing the ball all over the place. He looks just like every other quarterback back there, essentially, with the drills that they're doing. And I mean, this is a guy who, you know, at one point after the injury happened, people are screaming, oh, no, he's not even going to – he's going to miss the 2021 season, <laughs> right? Like, and now here we are, and it's like an afterthought that he looks like every other quarterback back there during these drills. I mean, um, it, if if we're picking out winners and losers, which we will when we write the story, I mean, there's no way you start anywhere other than him with number one. There's, I mean, it's 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 the it's the it was the biggest storyline of the whole offseason, and it was the best development of camp. Yeah, and then that that just ripples into because he's the biggest winner than everybody else. That makes everybody else a winner too. I mean, it just sets the tone for the for training camp. Um, you're right, though. It was even that first OTA. Which you know, I wasn't there. You were, but just judging by what you wrote and and saw and, and talked about, it just it did. It was almost like it was kind of expected for him to be that good, and it's not. It's pretty remarkable for a guy. I guess at that you know at that point he's six months removed from surgery and he's out there running around doing everything that everybody else is doing, and the things that he wasn't were, you know, by design by the, from the trainers and the coaching staff kind of putting the reins on him. And, you know, Zach talked about that yesterday. They weren't going to put him in 11 on 11 and, and have pass rushers getting around him. You just never know. If one guy slips and rolls into him. Obviously they're not going to hit him. You don't hit quarterbacks in any kind of practice, but it, it, it was just everything that he didn't do, which wasn't much was, was done by design to kind of protect him. And um, I, I just think, and you kind of read it in the comments on my story from yesterday. Just people are really excited about about what this offense and, and this team can be with, with him back in there. And he talked about it too, where you know it's not like he's been this star forever. He he kind of went back his early days at Ohio State, where you stand behind and you watch everything, and and there's things to be gained from that to to watch a practice from behind. And I, I just think this is this is it's been a, a great off season for him 
for for everything. What he's what he's gained mentally, what he's gained confidence wise. It was interesting. He said, "Yeah, at the start of OTAs, his, his knee was eighty five percent, and he kept it at eighty five percent yesterday." But it's it has to be getting better and getting stronger every day with all the work he's doing. And it's there, it's not a stretch at all to think it'll be a hundred percent. Certainly by the, the the Vikings game on September twelfth. But you know his goal is to be out there for the first snap of elevens in training camp five weeks from now. Yeah, I mean, in his he was saying, look, it's uh, we sort of shifted our path of the rehab and hit pause on the rehab part and went through the practice part and doing the football stuff over the last month. And now we'll shift back to the strengthening and the rehab element um, and and get that last 15% taken care of so that first day of camp, he's going to be out there taking snaps. I mean, yeah, it's just huge. I mean, it's, it's huge that you can go through a normal camp with him, you know, to some respect, um, it probably, I you know, I'm sure they'll still ease him in once training camp really gets going. To, you know, they're going to be very careful with it. The same way they were careful at the beginning of OTAs here. Uh, training camp's going to be more physical. It's going to be more intense. You're going to have more live stuff going on. So they'll probably have to figure out how they want to ease him into that process. But, you know, the fact that there's really not a ton of concern in doing that um, is great. And, they're going to start, they're going to hit the ground running and he's going to get a full, you know, he's going to have more prep for this season than he had for last season. One when he's coming off a a major reconstruction of his knee. And, um, you know, that's big for his, his development in a lot of ways too. So yeah, you can't ask, you just can't ask for much better from where you're at with him. And, uh, it's, it's a big win. It's a big win for the Bengals. Um, Anything else on Brian? I hate to short a Burrow conversation, but like we've kind of just been talking about it so much, and it's like I said, it's almost second nature that you're talking about this guy looking like this. But yeah, the one other thing I thought was interesting because the easy kind of cliche answer would be it, we're still getting there when he was asked about reestablishing that connection with Jamar Chase, and he said it's already back to where it was in college which is another great sign. Maybe that makes Jamar Chase a winner in the, in this offseason as well, where you, you kind of figured it wouldn't take a while, but maybe it would kind of go through the offseason and into training camp, but they're, they are right back uh, where they were. And, and it's there's no defense, obviously, and all that, but just the, the connection of knowing where a guy is going to be and, and where he wants the ball on certain routes, it's just um, one more positive sign. And in and, and his finals um, – period yesterday um seven on seven eight passes three went to jamar chase it's just that that connection is going to be great to see uh regardless of whether they're in shorts or pads or whatever yeah it's hard i mean it's hard to judge this time of year anything like Mm -hmm. that and you know as much as i love to believe words that players and coaches tell us i'm a little skeptical (laughs) see better than i hear again another marvin lewis shows up in today's podcast but uh so I, I tend to take those and with a, with a very significant grain of salt. Um, I'd like to see them look like they're this they're picking up right where they left off. Actually, we'll we'll find out together uh, in camp, and that's nice to say nice things about guys. It's like everybody likes to say nice things about guys this time of year, and maybe that's true. And we've seen some of it, uh, but let's. Let's let's see uh, let's see it in real one on ones. Let's see it in in against a in, with a real defense uh, set up trying to stop them, and let's see what that looks like before any anointing of Jamar Chase occurs. <laughs> you know, 
I think I think everybody wants to do this. And this is everyone, I mean everyone from fan to coach to player to media wants to talk about how unbelievable the top pick looks, right? And there may be some truth to it, but like uh, I don't know. We've seen I, – I tend to want to see more before we go do the official anointing and, and you know, is he going to break Justin Jefferson's mark? Like, uh, easy, all right, everybody. Let's just <laughs> – let's see a little bit more before we go – you know, maybe go against a defender before we go talking about him as being one of the greatest rookie receivers that we'll ever see. It's, uh, easy, easy. I just thought – I just thought the easy way out for him would have been to say, you know, we're getting there. And I I, yeah. I I thought it was it stood out to me that he said, "Oh yeah, we're good." It's it's, it's oh, right and back I don't, to where and it that's was. good. That's that's yeah. you're right. That's absolutely better than the obvious. But bef- before we go taking that as truth, and, and or you know, uh, we'll we'll see what camp looks like. I'll be I'll be very interested in that. Um, all right. Also, very interested in camp will be the offensive line, which is where the major position battles are. We talked a little bit about position battles before. There's just not a ton of them, but Obviously, the guard positions are where they're at. And the backup tackle position is now uh, come into focus with Akeem Adeniji tearing his peck and being out for the year, expected to be out for the year. Um, so what was already kind of a concern now becomes a little bit more of one. I mean, Adeniji, he was, he was fine. For a sixth-round pick tackle, he was kind of – at or above a pace that you would really like from that position last year in playing time that they didn't expect him to have to have. Um, He did okay. He was on the other side of the Michael Jordan injury incident that we'll talk a little bit more uh, about in a minute when we talk about my conversation with Mike. But, you know, (laughs) uh, he was was okay to the point where you would say, man, another year development, you really could like him as the swing tackle. You, you, You could see him stepping into that role in a battle with Fred Johnson and maybe being the swing tackle that that comes in there. Now he's not. And now you have Fred Johnson there and a bunch of uh, after that, you're talking about maybe kicking out Jackson Carmen. You're talking about um, who are we talking about? Isaiah Prince. Rookie, yeah, Isaiah Prince, who Smith opted who, out last year and rookie Deontay Smith. I mean, yeah, who you, yeah, I mean, Deontay Smith is a guy who's more of a project pick. So, you know, I don't know how comfortable you are throwing him out there. I mean, it just feels like this is prime to try to tap into that veteran one-year deal market of those that are available. They're not going to be anybody that's going to make you jump for joy, uh, but somebody that can get you through uh, if if you need a veteran in a pinch in case something happens to Riley Reef or Jonah Williams. And anybody that would make you jump for joy probably wouldn't be interested in coming here. I mean, you they, you've got Jonah Williams and Riley Reef, and they know that you're that they're they're behind the eight ball and trying. If if they're if they're that good, they're they're going to be looking to get a starting job, and they they're going to be behind in, in doing that. It's just not what the Bengals are interested in. You're looking for a guy that has some starts in the league that is probably th- in his thirties, a veteran guy that's it's looking for a couple more years. Can be can be a backup and can step in if need be if disaster strikes and one of those guys goes down. Um, there are some quality tackles out there, and then there's also some guys that are that are worth taking a shot on that that maybe could fill in for a game or two and and not be a, the liability that 
that maybe one of those guys we mentioned before would be. I don't even know what I mean. You hate to think about it, but if that did, if they did happen, you had an injury. Would they? They've they've put all this focus on making Jackson Carmen a guard. Would they even consider kicking him out to tackle and kind of restarting that whole rookie process? I mean, obviously he played tackle his entire life. He's never played guard before this offseason, but. There, there are there. I, they've got five openings on the roster right now. There's going to be six whenever Adeniji goes on IR. So there's, you know, they're probably going to sign some more wide receivers and DBs, just some guys for depth, so they're not running these guys into ground into the ground in training camp. But there's room too to to add some a, a tackle or two that that can at least give you some depth there and somebody that has some experience. Isaiah Prince has barely played in this league and he didn't play at all last year. Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen have not at all. And we've seen what Fred Johnson has been when he's played. He's a little better at guard than he is at tackle. I, Fred I Johnson? Think, yeah. No. You don't think he's better at guard? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's well, terrible yeah, at guard. The Cleveland game, yeah. That he was not- terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he he was he's he was far more uh serviceable at tackle. I I am okay with him being a serviceable tackle. Like if he's in there for 3 weeks, you can you can get by. You're not going to be like super comfortable, but you can get yeah. by with him at tackle for a few weeks. I don't want to see him ever at the guard position again. <laughs> okay. Never. And they have other they have other just better guard options now. Right. Yes. I mean between between Suofilo and Quentin Spain and Michael Jordan and Jackson Carmen, that's four guys. That's why I think the Carmen aspect of this is the most interesting. Is what do you do with somebody's development if, you know, he's the most obvious natural person to kick out the tackle? probably before anybody else on the roster considering i mean he just was blocking at clemson mm-hmm. uh you know for for the for trevor lawrence and so if there's somebody that would be a natural to step out to the tackle position it would be him but you know how much do you care more about his development at guard versus is that getting the best five out there you know i Again, we're talking about injuries that have not happened yet, but that's the contingencies right. you have to be considering when you're talking about whether you're willing to sign a, a veteran tackle. The other aspect of that is that these guys, and we can we'll tick through some of them here, but a lot of them there that want to play are just going to sit around and wait for an injury to happen. <laughs> like right. they're going to sit around, hang out in their house, be ready to go, and when an injury happens in camp, accepting calls. Right where they know they'll be able to play and they'll be needed and secure their contract. Um, so you know the patience might be necessary as people say, "Go get somebody now." Well, a lot of those guys might not be interested in doing anything now if it doesn't involve them having a real role. Yeah, but then the, the thing is too, if the, it's not multiple teams are going to have injuries. Do you want to play that game where if if other teams get injuries and then they pick off the best option of this group of of street free agents? And yours comes later in the training camp or in the season, then you're you're kind of and it, and it, especially if it comes in the season, then then you've got to get that guy up to speed in a hurry. Um, if you've if you've got the they've got to want to sign though. That's true. And I mean, it's on the player. The player can just kick his feet up and just tell people, ah, catch you later. You know what I mean? It, it's a waiting game. I mean, at some point, when when are these guys gonna? They 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 have to want to sign, but the closer it gets to camp, I think they're going to get a little more antsy and maybe start 
considering taking less. And some of these guys you could probably get for the league minimum, which is 660,000 a year. A guy like Demar Dotson, who's been in the league forever. Um, he, he's 35, 11 years with the Buccaneers. He's been a solid player. Uh, maybe, maybe his time is up and he would make one more run. The, the one guy I think is really interesting and he's, he's the other way. He's probably the, the youngest of the guys. He's 30 or he will be 30 w- when the season starts. Um, he was a third round pick in 2015, Chaz Green. Now he's kicked around. He's, he's, He's played four seasons in the league with with three different teams. Um, he's never started more than four games in a year. He's with the Colts last year. But the interesting thing about him is he was a third-round pick of the Cowboys in 2015. And that was – that Frank Pollock was the offensive line coach then. So there there is a connection there. Now, that connection – that, that could be a reason they don't sign him. Maybe Pollock's like, no, we, we don't want this guy. But he of, of the the list of guys out there, that was the one that really kind of intrigued me because he he would be a guy because of how much he's kicked around. You could get really cheap. But is he really going to be that much better of an option? I mean, that's why you sign these guys and bring them in during camp and you let them compete and you get an idea of whether this guy can can be an answer or not. Um, some of the other guys on this list have been around much longer, uh, probably are, are still looking to get a, a decent contract. Um, one we've talked about, Rus- Russell Okun. I, I think the, the Bengals kind of saw he, he did not play well at all the last couple of years. I don't think he was someone they were interested in at all in free agency as an answer. But now if you're looking to, to grab a guy as a backup, he could be someone they revisit. Uh, Mitchell Swartz, who, yes, has, has talked about retirement. But he, he's, he's rehabbing his back right now as if he's going to play. Um, you, you always wonder about that with the guys that are, if they're considering retirement, that might be a red flag. Are they going to go to a team that's been 625 and one the last couple of years? Are, are those guys going to be buying into the, the Joe Burrow hype to want to wanna come here and, and be a part of possibly something that's building? I mean, we got to talk about Morgan Moses. Yeah, he's the best uh, available. Who's, who's who's out there? Yeah, I mean, he's best available. He's already been around and made some visits to places. Um, you know, this is this is a guy who's thirty, um, and has played a ton. I mean, last year he played a thousand snaps for Washington. I mean, he's, he's been he's been in the league. He's played for Washington his whole career. And you know, if you go by PFF grades. You know, his pass blocking is is solid, right around seventy almost every single year. It's, he's got some of his grades are actually in a similar consistent st- stable area as Riley Reef, you know, and he he played great last year. But you you know he's he is an he's the best possible option if that was something that they could pull off. But again, because of that, it's what is Morgan Moses trying to do? Right. I mean, I'm sure Morgan Moses has a bunch of teams saying, hey. Come play at the minimum for as a backup. Like he, that's this guy has not been a backup. He's been a starter. Ninety-seven, uh, ninety-six consecutive starts. Yeah, that's. So, I mean, durable and decent. Right. I mean, everything you would want. So if now, what are you going to pay for that? What does that look like? Um, you know, I think that's something the Bengals certainly need to consider. But it's will Morgan Moses want that, or is Morgan Moses going to sit around and wait? to see when another starter gets injured uh, where that, you know, he can land there because if he wants to play, then he's going to wait. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but those are kind of, yeah, those are sort of some of the names that they're kicking around and we'll see if they make a move there. Um, 
again, we've talked, if you're looking at things that might happen over the next month, we continually talk about the, the reserve, the backup three technique that we're going to kind of keep an eye on and see if they add somebody there to back up Larry Ogunjobi. This is the, like, I need to get the, like, I mentioned Jarrell Casey thing sponsored at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> find a way to make this happen. Yeah. Um, at some point, I will get this sponsored. I don't know who would sponsor it. Arby's. I mean, like, can we get Arby's to sponsor that, Jay? Although Arby's would never sponsor anything I say. That would be for you. Uh, <laughs> is there any business out there that has Casey in the title? Uh, so I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. If you think of anything, if you're listening, you think of something, let us know. Send us an email. Um, so that's all kind of part of this. The other other part of this, we mentioned this earlier, the guards. Um, you know, Jackson Carmen is is going to get every opportunity to be the right guard, and you know Quentin Spain feels like the leader in the clubhouse at left guard, but that's you got a whole camp and whole preseason to to really kind of work that out. I would assume by that third preseason game against Miami here at home, they'll feel like they have it figured out who's going to be, who's going to play, give them some reps together, all that stuff. Um, Michael Jordan's been the forgotten person of this. And because, you know, he was a villain last year. I mean, he became the villain. He became this, the face of what was wrong with the Bengals and Jim Turner and the offensive line. And then the Burrow thing happens. And he was a disappointment. He's a guy they traded up for who they had a lot of faith in, who they really thought was going to become a core piece of their line. And he struggled. And he got, he's been benched multiple times. And then, you know, the Burrow injury obviously is, was a devastating moment for the entire team. And there he is in the middle of it, you know, Jonathan Allen bullying him back and throwing him into Burrow's knee and injuries happen. It's no one saying this is Michael Jordan's fault that Joe Burrow got hurt. Like these types of things happen, but because of what happened in that play and, and who he was on that offensive line, like he was cast aside and, what he had to say in our interview just struck me. Um, you know, he said he he texted Joe and told apologized, said he was sorry, and that he would hear no more words from him, just actions. And when he said that, it it's like this was why I was fascinated by Michael Jordan and wanted to talk to him. I didn't know what he would say. I don't know the mental carnage that comes from being a part of something like that on the football field and seeing it and being right there for it and understanding what happened right in front of you that you were a part of. I, and I was curious to see what his reaction would be. And if you're talking about what you want from that situation to know that this guy is not mentally screwed up from that moment, from that season, this is what he said during that interview was the absolute perfect example. Absolute perfect example of this guy's got a chance. I don't know if he's going to be good. He's been bad. He's had two very disappointing seasons. He's got the physical tools. You think he can do it. But with Frank Pollock now working with him and this attitude, he drops 30 pounds to in order to rebuild his body differently and more powerfully drops 30 pounds, then starts rebuilding with muscle in a different way and looks leaner, looks, but is more powerful. And he says he, he was tired of being tired. 
and just felt like it was weighing him down. And now he feels like more of an athlete, the more powerful guy to handle the Jonathan Allens of the world. And I don't know if he's going to be good, but I, I, I loved everything I heard from Michael Jordan. Yeah. I mean, it was a great piece and you talked about the mental carnage. I mean, that when something like that happens, you can go one of two ways. It can destroy you or you can, you can kind of recommit to never letting it happen again. And we forget how young he was when he came in the league. And I think Paul, you know, this right now, anybody that's out there that's had a kid, when you have that first kid, which Michael Jordan did last year, that changes everything. And that all that, that's great motivation. You, you, you give up the sack that, that knocks the franchise quarterback out for the year. You, you now have a, a kid and a, another life that you're responsible for. It's just, uh, he, he's going the right way with this. You, you, uh, just the fact that he agreed to talk to you, I think was important. He could have easily said, no, I don't want to talk about this. And then you kind of wonder, but, for him to say, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll talk about this. And, and, you know, what he said after he agreed to talk, it just, there is, there is optimism there that, that he can be what they initially thought he would be. And it's not like Frank Pollock is this, this greatest offensive line coach ever, but as most Bengal fans, it, it, Michael Jordan wasn't the only villain. A lot of people saw Jim Turner as a villain as a, as a failed hire. That the offensive line never really got to where it needed to be under him. So I think there's optimism too that that just the change period, but the fact that you do have a quality, experienced veteran coach and in, in Frank Pollock coming in, there's there's a lot of a lot of reasons for optimism. Now the question is, what if what if Michael Jordan in this rebuilt body and this this new focus, what if he's the best guard in camp? Can they roll him out there as a starter after you know the what happened in Washington? I mean, it, I wonder. Obviously, it wouldn't be received well. Fans aren't going to be watching every snap of camp and, and understanding that that he's better. I, I just I I wonder how long that climb has to be for for him to kind of get another shot at, at being a starter if he's if he's worthy of it. There's no, I mean, yeah, you're, there's, there's no doubt it's an uphill climb for him. Um, but because there's only, even in camp and preseason, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Like there, there's still only so much that you can do to make people believe that you're different and maybe he will. Um, and he, but that's the task in front of him and it only takes one injury for him to be the next one up and, and, and be able to, the, the one other one thing I want to touch on that you mentioned was his, him saying that, Sure, I'll do it. Behind the scenes of this, when when he called me for this interview, called me back, he started thanking me for wanting to talk to him and let him tell his story. Hmm. Like, thank you. I mean, it was the most polite, genuine, like, I, I'm just so thankful that you want to, you are allowing me to tell this story that I want to tell because I, I want everybody to know you know, it, it, he, it felt like he wanted everybody to know exactly what he was saying, that mm-hmm. that's not who he was. He was not going to be defined by one play and that guy. And he, he made no excuses. He made no excuses at all. I, I even gave him opportunities to. I talked, he had a lot going on last year. Like, he's a young kid. 
has you know he has, he has a youngster who's uh Kaysen, who now is is nine months right now was born in August like there's a lot going on there and you're you're trying to figure out you struggle early like there there's a lot going on for him last year and he wanted no part of that he wanted he wouldn't even take and it wasn't bait but he wasn't even interested in talking about that element of being any issue you got kind of come to work you got to do your job and you can't bring anything you have going on elsewhere you can't bring that in and it doesn't have any effect to anything and and i just i just appreciated you know what you hear we we just in today's day and age you know of everybody's a number on a spreadsheet and get out of here and these guys stink and you lose the human element, mm-hmm. and uh, and in this past year, we lost the human element uh, of getting to know, of really helping fans get to know these guys, and like stuff like this just reminds you of that. How much it's about the human element with these guys, and 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 I think that's a part of maybe you know understanding that with with Michael Jordan. Um, again, I he may not be any good, and he may flush out this year. I don't know, but. Um, I th- I was really happy that he was willing and so interested in telling his story because I th- I think it, it maybe helped open people's eyes a little bit to who he is as a person. Yeah, and it was it was I, re- I remember the first time we talked to Joe Burrow after the injury and people were asking about it and he kind of shut it down. He's like, I'm not going to talk about the play anymore. He didn't want to say anything or point fingers at, at at Michael Jordan. And those guys go back beyond. I mean, they knew each other as you mentioned in your story at Ohio State. Um, so that that relationship goes back. It's it's strong, and it, I, I thought that was kind of professional of Joe just to say, "Look, we're, I'm not going to break down what we're, what we're wrong on that play and point the finger at Michael Jordan." Um, it'll be one of the interesting things to watch in camp. You you can't get a full gauge until they they put the pads on, and even when they do, it, it's not it's not really truly what you need to see. But in preseason games, he, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of snaps in the preseason and it will be interesting to see if this rebuilt body and new position coach and Frank Pollock, if we see a difference in him, a lot more to that story. If you want to go read it, you can just go, uh, go to our site, go to the athletic.com and you can, you know, hopefully you're on following the Bengals. If you're listening to this podcast and just right there on the site, it should be, it was from, from last week. Uh, so you can go in and check that out and subscribe. If you are not already a subscriber. All right, let's just take a quick break. Let's um tick through a few notes here before we head out. Um Bengals added Trey Brown uh to their scouting department. Trey Brown has a a pretty nice resume. He's going to be a he's going to be one of their uh three area scouts um along with Christian Sarkeesian and Andrew Johnson. Um at him and then of course they have they have Bill Bill Tobin. Duke Tobin's dad, former GM, uh, Mike Potts and Steven Radicevic are, are still your scouting director for college with Potts, and uh, Steven is the scouting director for pro. Uh, but these guys do a little bit of everything. I mean, as you know, I mean, they still have eight people in their scouting department. Um, but Trey is an interesting addition. He actually is connected to Steven from their UCLA days. He was a running back uh, when Steven was at UCLA back in the late 2000s um, and has kind of just been in 
in scouting and personnel departments for a while. He was the director of college scouting for the Eagles for three years uh, from 2016 to 2018. He's kind of was, was an executive in the AAF for some teams, um, but has been around for, you know, he's with the Patriots and Nick Casario for a couple of years. So he's been doing this. He's, he's a really nice voice to add for them to add to their room and adding an extra body, much less one that has the type of experience that he is, is, is good. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be, this is the time of year where this, these personnel staffs all kind of move around and a lot of teams have released. Here's our new personnel staff. And it's a long, long <laughs> list. They're still at eight, uh, but a hard working eight, Jay. <laughs> Well, I mean, the thing is, it's 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 one more box checked that that, that fans have been asking for. Increase the scouting. Now they didn't increase it. It was an even trade, but you they add another quality scout. They ask for new uniforms. They get new uniforms. They ask for a ring of honor. They got a ring. Of, it, it's however small. It's another step in in the the Bengals kind of, and then it's maybe not the only reason, but. They're 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 giving fans what they've been asking for, and it, it might be slow drips, but it, it's progress moving forward. I think any any time this team hires a scout, especially one with Trey's background, fans should be encouraged by it. Yeah, uh, I I would agree with that. I I would like to see like two more, yeah, analytic scouts. They have Sam Francis who does who's kind of their core data analyst, but I mean you know teams are teams have beefed that up so much in recent years and the data dumps you're getting if you're not if you're not really working that data you are behind and you are losing out and you're losing a competitive advantage and i don't think they have done a good enough job of beefing up their analytics side of their personnel department uh i would like to see more there but this is i mean this is another great those guys need more bodies just helping them keep up a little bit and and trey brown's a great he's, he, i mean that's that background is is you know, a great addition for them. The guys that they do have, I mean, I, you know, you, you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, we love bringing you their perspective, whether it be in stories, whether it be in, you know, we do the podcast with Mike Potts every year after the draft. And you've heard from Steven Radicevic, you, you've heard from Christian Sarkeesian, like you, you, you know, these guys, hope we're, we're trying to help you know, these guys a little bit more and the work that they put in and what they do and how important they are to, you know, and you've obviously heard from, from Duke often, you know, we, we try to get you to know them a little bit more because it, it becomes underappreciated how much work they have to do <laughs> and how, you know, how hard it is to, to do all of that. So um, and, and I think they've I, I think they deserve more recognition than they get. And Trey will help them, you know, be more effective and efficient. So another body there in the scouting department um, moving through. Uh, we had Jesse Bates on. Zoom on Tuesday. He was asked uh, about his potentially signing a contract extension. He's coming up on that. Entering the last year of his contract, I wrote about it at the end of the season. He changed agents last year to David Mogoletta, who's like pretty much one of the premier young agents in the NFL. He's just doing massive deals every offseason and free agency period. Uh, so he's got a great agent, and he talked kind of about the confidence he has in making that change, why he feels really good. I would too if I had that guy in my corner. <laughs> when you look at some of the mega deals he's gotten done, uh, so if I had that guy in my corner, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm cool. Like, I got a good agent uh, who's going to make sure this stuff gets taken care of." But he wants to be here, you know. When I wrote the story in December, it was just that it was. This is the easiest deal ever. Yeah, like this guy. This guy is 
everything you want. You drafted him, develop him. He's become the best safety in the league. The market is there to be set. Give him 15, 16 mil per for five, four or five years. Let him be a leader of your defense. Call it a day, right? You want to get cute. And you want to talk about well, we can franchise tag him next year at a good number and get and see it. Let's see another year of Jesse Bates. Okay, you can do that. I just it just they have a bunch of money they left behind. They typically leave it for extensions. You know, you want this guy to be a leader of your team. You want the tone to be set of this is who we are. Bates Hubbard in the same respect uh, should get done this year. Don't get cute. You know, don't. There's no reason to get cute with this. Get it done. It's 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 just easy. It's an easy thing to do, um, and, and I think Bates feels that way too. I think he's he's pretty hopeful that they'll be able to do that. But you know, I think he's got a great perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, players always say they they want to stay where they're at. You you really get that feel from Jesse Bates. He talked about it yesterday. How important it is to be as close as he is to family, how he's not going to beaches in Cabo over this vacation. He's going to Fort Wayne, Indiana to watch his nephews play baseball and to Mm -hmm. visit his grandma. And that's, there's a lot of reasons why he wants to stay here. And if they do get cute and do the franchise tag and things don't quite go as, as everyone is hoping they're going to go this year. And it's another really rough season. Then maybe he, he reconsiders and, and starts, his free agent process the following year looking at other options. I, 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 uh, you're right. It's, it's, it just makes way too much sense. Just pay him top dollar value, pay him top safety money, which he has earned and just set, set that back into the defense for the next four or five years. Yeah. And it was different circumstances. I keep, but I go back to this a lot. Tyler Boyd, uh, they got that deal done right before camp, he, and it was it was a very fair deal. I mean, he Boyd probably could have gotten a little bit more, but whatever. It was still he was still he's making eleven mil per or whatever it was. Um, and it's like got it done, set it, forget it, and look what you've gotten there. You know, you've gotten one of the premier slot receivers and one of the best receivers. Uh, you know, over a thousand yards. He's kind of a face and voice of your team. Like, do the same thing with Jesse Bates, and the template is just so set. I mean, we've seen a number of guys come up that are about the same as Jesse Bates, all sign the same type of deal, fifteen million, top of the market. He's the best, coming off a season where he's the best safety in the league. You know, the template's out there. Switch the names and the teams, and maybe bump it up a little bit and call it a day. And that's what this team and this franchise is supposed to be all about. That's what we keep being sold. Draft, develop, retain. We haven't seen it in the last few years because they've churned the crap out of the roster and basically said all the old players suck. And so that's fine, but draft, develop, retain is their philosophical stance, who they are as an organization, how they believe things should be built. If that's the case, this is easy. This is one of the easiest things ever. So we'll we'll see what happens. I, I I do I anticipate it getting done, but we'll see how they play it come August. Um, Jay, you've got homework before we get out of here. I uh, do. You gave yourself homework, but you did it like a like a good student. <laughs> Actually, I got. I'm asking for extra credit. The uh, homework assignment was how many teams have had three or more receivers with a thousand yards? Which obviously nobody's had more. It's been it's happened. It's happened five times that there have been a team with with three wide receivers that went over a thousand. We we've been talking about 
could the Bengals hit that mark with with how much they throw, with with how good at Joe Burrow is distributing the ball, with the addition of Jamar Chase to t- Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Um, the, the five teams that did it, nobody's done it since 2008. You would think maybe this is something that is more of a recent development with how much teams are throwing the ball now, but it was the 1980 Chargers. Um, John Jefferson, Kellen Winslow, Charlie Joyner, the 1989 Redskins, Gary Clark, Art Monk, and Ricky Sanders, the 95 Falcons, Eric Metcalf, Terrence Mathis, and Bert Emanuel, the 04 Colts with Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and Brandon Stokely, and then the most recent was the 08 Cardinals with Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden, and Steve Breston. Um, uh, kind of two common themes here. Three of those five teams had Hall of Fame quarterbacks thrown to them. Dan Fouts with the 80 Chargers, Peyton Manning with the 04 Colts, and Kurt Warner with the 08 Cardinals. Uh, the other common theme is maybe not a surprise, but all five of them had winning records. Um, three of the five won their division, and the Cardinals made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I also was wondering if, if you just lower that number to 900. Um, there's been 11 teams that have had three receivers hit 900 in a year. I think that's a little more realistic for the Bengals to look at this year. Um, but but overall, whether it's 900 or 1,000, 16 teams, 13 had winning records, uh, 12 advanced in the playoffs, um, four of the t- four of them reached the Super Bowl. So the, the the thing with the 900, that is the more recent of of those 11 teams that had 900 or more. Six of them were in the last decade. Uh, including three different teams did it in 2012, the Cowboys, Falcons, and Saints. So, I I, I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but it, there is precedent there. It has happened, um, and you just you wonder with how fast Joe Burrow processes things and with all the options he has if, if the Bengals can kind of get into that echelon this year. Who are the other three besides the 2012 teams that of the recents? Uh, the well, the 2019 Chargers who went five and eleven, so they're kind of an outlier. Uh, the 2014 Patriots who won the Super Bowl went twelve and four, um, and then before that, it was the the three teams in 2012, and then also the 2011 Patriots um, who won the division and lost the Super Bowl, and before that, the 2002 Raiders won the division, lost the Super Bowl. The the Anthony Lynn Chargers, man, <laughs> they like you know it's it. It just makes you wonder, like, how did that go so wrong? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were coming off a playoff appearance, and they mm-hmm. had all that offense, and still went five and eleven. Yeah, um, good stuff. I like it. We we're not gonna. I don't even want to talk anymore about it because I'm afraid more homework. Well, we've kind of had this <laughs> cycle where every time we start talking more about this, you create more homework for yourself. That that's really that's a really good look because people keep saying, "Can they have three one thousand yard receiver?" I mean, it's just super rare. It's mm. it's super rare. Um, I, I'm with you. I think three nine hundred. That's something to shoot for, and and I think that is a winning. You know the, what you need is, and I think what you see more is, you know, yards from scrimmage numbers. Throw Joe Mixon in there, mm-hmm. and you have four. You know, over nine hundred, and maybe three over a thousand. That way, uh, three over a thousand yards from scrimmage, with Mixon leading the way. That's when they're scary. That's that's when they go from really good to scary. Is if they really turn Joe Mixon into a star, that will open up everything, and we'll see if that happens. Uh, all right. Well, that kind of wraps us up. Again, we're gonna have um, 
some more specialty type shows as we kind of trek through the next month of everybody being on vacation players, coaches, us. We're going to be in and out of vacations, but we're going to have some shows for you uh, that are a little different, that are fun, and I think that you're going to like. So keep an eye out for those coming down the pike. And um, again, thanks to everybody for listening, and we will talk to you next time on Hearing This Podcast. Podcast.